Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome to Ask the Expert North Texas here on News Radio 1080 KRLD. I'm David Rankin. And I'm Kristen Diaz. And we have a big celebration coming up this weekend. And the British consulate is going to be celebrating the coronation of His Majesty King Charles III with a whole bunch of special events happening here in our state. His Britannic Majesty Consul General Richard Hyde joins us this afternoon on the KRLD Afternoon News. It's a pleasure to have you today. Thanks so much for the time. Thank you. It's great to be with you. So, of course, the whole world knows that this is happening this weekend. How are you celebrating with the community specifically? Well, it's Texas, so we have to go big. Um, we have, uh, fortunately, I cover five states, and I'd love to be able to do stuff across all five states, across Dallas, Fort Worth, Austin, San Antonio as well. But we're limiting ourselves, unfortunately, only to Houston. But we're, in the morning, we're doing a big uh, celebration. So the king is a... He's a great lover of the environment. He's a great ecological warrior. He's been doing this for decades and decades and decades. Before it became trendy to be focused on the planet, he was already doing it. So he's encouraged us around the world to give something back to our communities and to think about the environment. So on Saturday morning, we're going to get a lot of school children and our friends and British businesses to come out and help us to clean up the Buffalo Bayou in Houston. Uh, we're going to do that in a, in a hot, sunny day. So we're going to have some snow cones and other things for the kids. But we're basically going to go out there, get our hands dirty and clean up and help uh, keep the city beautiful. And then uh, and then immediately from that, I'm going to quickly change. It's a bit like the Oscars. You know, I'm going to quickly change and a dash across town to a, a celebration by a, an organization called the British American Foundation for Texas, which is a charity that we support, that my wife sits on the board of. And this is a charity that raises money from British, ostensibly from British businesses and communities across Texas, they raise money for brilliant young people, uh, brilliant young Texans who don't have the the means really to go for uh, the, to reach their educational goals. So they provide scholarships and support, and it's a it's a wonderful organization. It's been going for it's like twelve or thirteen years, raised a couple of million dollars. They're doing amazing things. So they're having a a watch, a, a coronation watch. So I'm going to jump in there give a little speech, toast to the king, say hi to everybody. Then I'm going to go off from there to set up for our big event. So we're having a huge party, like six, 700 people at the uh, at the Arboretum in, in Houston. And this was deliberately chosen, A, because it can accommodate 600, 700 people outdoors, 
But B, most importantly, it is a nature conserve. So we're doing this in touch with nature. Everything we do is going to be appropriate. You know, we're not going to be knocking holes in things and using using single-use plastics and all those things. It's going to be a wonderful British celebration. We're going to have Pipers. We're going to have Aston Martins and Clash of Jaguars. And we're going to have British beer being brewed specially in Texas. A whole bunch of things, whiskey, gin, all the things that you would expect at a British shindig. What is it about this particular event that is fascinating for so many Americans? Well, I, it's really hard to explain. You know, I, I've lived all around the world. This is like the ninth country I've lived in. And I like to think or, or thought I knew America, knew Texas. But I, I've been really astounded in the last, you know, the last 12 months. We had the, the Queen's Jubilee last year. Then sadly, we had the passing of the Queen and the Queen's funeral. And now we have the coronation. And the, the level of interest... I mean, it's overwhelming at times how how much knowledge, first of all, and interest there is in all things Britain and all things royal. Now, I you know I, I make jokes with my with my American colleagues about you know the temporary separation. You guys will come back one day, but but the reality is is that we do have this incredible shared history. So I think most Americans appreciate the history. Most Americans can tell you where their forefathers and foremothers came from, their ancestry. You know, if someone's got a touch of Scottish or Welsh or Irish, they'll tell you the first time they meet you. So people are really conscious of where they came from in this melting pot that you call America. Um, you know, and Texas is incredibly diverse. So people are from, you know, from Mexican-Americans or, or Latin American-Americans or European-Americans, it doesn't matter. People know where they're from. And I think anybody with even a hint of British interest or British connection has some connection to the coronation. Now, this is a thousand-year-old process that we're going that we're going to we're going to be reenacting uh, on Saturday. You know, we you know, Edward the Confessor, you know, say Edward, one of the great saints and one of the great kings of England, built Westminster Abbey a thousand years ago, and that abbey is where he sat to be crowned. In that abbey is where King Charles would be crowned in the very same spot a thousand twelve hundred years later. So it's it's that kind of sense of history, and most Americans either directly, indirectly, or just because they like the crown. TV show. They will watch this and be really interested in it. Absolutely. And also, it's the pomp and circumstance, right? The glam, the glitz, you know, the the carriages and the, you know, uh, all the jewels and, and also the tradition. What do you think is going to be um, most... I- most interesting to look out for in comparison to the broadcast of this compared to uh, King Charles' mother. And now we're, you know, he will be broadcasting his coronation. So, I mean, so famously, uh, the Queen Elizabeth's coronation was the first one that was ever televised. And it was an interesting debate at the time. Um, the, the Queen's husband, Prince Philip, felt that the coronation, the tradition of the coronation it's, it's a ceremonial viewing of the new monarch by the public. So the king became the king as soon as his mother passed away. But the coronation is basically, we are showing you to the people that our continuity of leadership, you know, there it is. And that, that's what the coronation is about. It's ceremonial. Um, and Prince Philip's view was, the people need to see it. We have television, we can see it. Interestingly, Winston Churchill, who was, who was great for many things, was a diehard opponent of this. He thought it debased... The, the whole monarchy by by having allowing people to watch it on TV sets, and so there was an interesting debate. And of course, the prince won. You know, new husband, he was he was he, his his voice was had the sway. So they they filmed it, and of course, 
we we modernize again so it's going to be live stream there's a much it's going to be a much more diverse uh, crowd at Westminster Abbey this time so we know we 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 the king has modernized it a little bit every every monarch has changed things a little bit but it's it's going to be interesting but the bit that you won't see there's one bit of the ceremony that we won't really see and I think that's the most important bit of the ceremony you know if, you know if you're if you're a religious person if you're a Christian or a, or a Jewish you'll know that the old in the Old Testament, the kings were anointed. The kings of Israel were anointed with the holy oils. It's that process of the holy anointment is probably the most significant part of the coronation, and that's done behind the sheet. The queen always spoke about that moment, not the crown, not the the gold carriages, not the regalia. It was the whole anointment with holy oils that come from the Holy Land. The oils were actually brought specially from the Holy Land. That moment is when the king commits himself with an oath to God to be the monarch, to serve the monarch and to serve God. So it's a very religious thing as well. And whatever your religion is, it doesn't matter. What the king is doing is swearing for his God that he's going to take this role seriously. Let's talk about what to watch out for, because a lot of people will be watching the coronation on television. What should be what? should we be seeing what should we be looking for specifically during the coronation ceremonies because they're gonna be on for a long time that's right and it's gonna be on very early in the morning as well you know the time difference doesn't it never helps us because it's a long old day for us um i think the thing to watch out for is is there's the and, the, and the, if you listen to which commentary you get you know the bbc commentary is always very good for this it explains the the, sim, the symbolic nature of specific things. So you know we had our own little uh, revolution back in uh, back in the 17th century, and um, the you know King Charles II, an unfortunate name coincidence, um, was 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 crowned after the the the, the uh, after the the, the revolution. Um, but during the revolution, many of the artifacts of the coronation were lost, destroyed, or stolen. Um, but there's a few little bits remaining the ceremonial swords, but most importantly, and go back to my last point, is the spoon they use for the the, the, the the anointing oils is the original one that goes all the way back. So that's probably the only piece of the original crown jewels that's left. And so they'll talk about that. It's, I'm always intrigued by that. It's a, it's a really interesting thing. So the crown was remade after after the after Reformate, after you know the, we, 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 we gained our monarchy and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of things are, are replicas, except for a couple of little pieces. And that's the bit I'm always looking out for. The other thing is he comes in one carriage and he leaves in a different one. And um, they're not the most comfortable things, these carriages. They were built. <laughs> That's what I've ago. heard, yeah. <laughs> you know, golden carriages, you know, it's not really all Disney and Cinderella. It's they're a little bumpy, but um <laughs> you know, look out for the kind of carriages and the state carriages and the golden carriages and and all of the different people in involved in the process as well. You know, and, and um it's it's this I, I learned something. I've never seen a coronation. So, you know, I'm looking to learn as well. I was curious about that. You know, Texas is a melting pot and you never know who you're going to meet. And I'm sure you've met so many people from the UK or with ties to the UK, as you mentioned. Um, are they as interested into the coronation as just Americans are and other people around the world are as fascinated? Because I've heard mixed reaction that people from the actual UK are not as wild about it as we are. I think, I think, look, it varies. Um, we, we, have a, we have a fairly unique constitutional setup in the UK where we elect our government, but we inherit our head of state. Now, I've been to many countries around the world who kind of wish they had the same system at times, but the reality is, is that, you know, we, 
we're all Democrats. You know, we all believe in democracy. We all believe in the right to, to choose our own governments. And so some, so, so some people, I think it's a small minority of people, will look at a monarchy in, in the UK and think it's anachronistic. It's, you know, we, you know, th th these people are, you know, are born to it. But, the, but, the, but I think the vast majority of people, particularly with the late Queen and now with the, you know, in the early days of, of King Charles, I think what we, whatever your view on the rights and wrongs of an inherited monarchy, the fact is, these are incredible people who do incredible things and and really do demonstrate a, a proud belief in service. When the late Queen, um, when, when she passed away, the outpouring of grief that we found from around the world. I mean, I I opened a, a condolence book here in, in Houston, which is which is a mandatory, which we have to do. But normally we don't, we're not allowed to move the condolence book. It's a very ceremonial thing. I, I had so much demand that I moved it to, to Austin for a day and then took it to Dallas for a day. I actually took it to Dallas twice. Once was for the public, which the mayor of Dallas very kindly opened the, the city hall and we had crowds of people coming to sign it and, and share memories. Many people had never met a member of the royal family, but they had little things to say. But I had to go back again because President Bush and Mrs. Bush wanted to sign a condolence book as well. So we I actually came with it twice to Dallas. That says to me that... A lot of the people that signed the book were, were Texans, but a lot of them were British people as well. So there is, in the UK, there is a, a real strong sense that the royal family, the king and his late mother, demonstrate towards uh, the important values of service and duty. And whether or not you believe a monarchy is the right thing or wrong thing, we respect that. Just like in the United States, irrespective of your political affiliations, you know, once you elect a, a mayor or a governor or, or a president, you're you're patriotic. You believe in 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 that person there is representing me, even though I may not have voted for them. So it's the same kind of concept. It's it's fundamental to our culture that we believe in in honor, duty, and service. And these are the things that the monarchy represents, even if we don't like you know, people with crowns. Yeah, you talk about service, and the, and the Queen had always talked about the importance of service. What does that mean to the royal family? What is service? It's service basically is that you know, as as the monarch, the Queen famously, the Queen never gave a TV interview. You know, as a monarch, you cannot express your view directly on anything that is even vaguely political. Um, now, the Queen was an amazing human being who in you know 70 years of service to her country on the on the throne developed an incredible uh, technique to express an opinion without an expressing opinion you knew when the queen liked or didn't like something by you know, a very subtle change of, uh, of of expression but that i mean that, that, and we interpret that we don't know if it's true or not um but the queen you can't pass a judgment if you have a prime minister who you absolutely love or absolutely hate you have to have a straight face and you have to deal with it and that's I, i'm a diplomat i have to present the views of my government and occasionally i don't not personally agree with them it's really really hard but i can choose to leave the queen can't the king can't so for me the service piece is is always being the figurehead for the country for a policy signing laws whether or not you agree with them look how many times you know, U.S. presidents, the state governors of Texas veto bills. The queen and the king can never do that constitutionally. They have to nod and smile, and everything is done in their name. So I am His Majesty's Consul General. I was Her Majesty's Consul General. It is His Majesty's government. It's all done in their name, 
irrespective of whether they like it or not. And for me, that is a real sense of service. They are the consistency in the country. Politicians come and go. Uh, populists come, populists go. Policies come, policies go. Wars come, difficult times come, political crises and chaos come. But the monarchy has to just sit there and be calm, be surreal, be sorry, be be regal, and you know, be that one thing that we look and they go, at least somebody, somebody is unflappable in these cra- crazy times. Tell me a little bit about your experience of starting to travel. To, you said nine different countries. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, that, that's an incredible, you have an incredible story, I'm sure, and and career. What has that been like for you? It's, it's been fascinating. So, you know, I, I, I my first overseas uh, assignment, um, it was in 1993, uh, 1992 in Bermuda. Uh, so I started in a nice place. That's where I met my wife. And interestingly, that's where I first met the Queen and uh, Prince Philip. So they they did a state visit to Bermuda while I was there. And interestingly, I met my wife there and she also met the Queen and Prince Philip at the same time in separate events. And so we have that kind of, even though we didn't know each other really, we have that sort of shared memory. But then we went all, we've been all around the world and I've had lots of engagements with the royal family uh, in all kinds of places. So, you know, uh, Prince and now King Charles, I, I've had the pleasure of, of working with him on a number of occasions. And the thing about the royal family is that um, it, they they come for a relatively short period of time on a visit, and it's a hugely complicated planning process because the hosts really really want to show how much they welcome and love these visitors because they are really loved in all kinds of places. You know, whether it's Bermuda or I was in now I was in Cuba with with Prince Charles, I was in India with Prince Charles, I was in yeah, I was in you know all kinds of places around the world with different members of the royal family. People genuinely are interested, intrigued, and love them. I mean, I think the love in America is a whole different level. I mean, the, the you know, you guys really do go to a next level in terms of your interest, affection, and just for, I mean, I get asked so many questions about the royal families. <laughs> but yeah, all traveling all around the world, it's been it's been phenomenal experience. And you know, my 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 poor wife, we we got married, and I just started taking her east and east and east. I was in, you know, we were in Paris, which was lovely. We were first married, and we were in, we were in Saudi Arabia. I, I mean, I went to Saudi Arabia shortly after nine eleven. So that was a, that was tough times to be in the Middle East. I was in India twice. We were in Armenia, which was an amazing experience. You know, I was in Venezuela. I've been you know, I've been in in uh, Costa Rica. You know, and I've done all kinds of jobs in London and around the world. But the, the fact is, is that, you know, we everywhere we go, we're able to talk about the history, the culture and the UK contribution to the world. And it's, you know, we and we probably an, an American diplomat. So fairly unique in able, being able to do that. And, you know, some people love us. Some people don't love us so much, but always we're able to make a connection. And quite often it's the royals that give us that, you know, that foot in the door. We don't really know too much about the new king. We knew a little bit about the queen. We, we heard that that she had an incredible sense of humor. I mean, for example, would the new king do what the queen did and jump out of a plane before the 2012 Olympics with James Bond, for example? Yeah, I mean, interestingly, the queen the queen was amused until 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 the very end that people actually thought she did that. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, I think he, he has a. I mean, you know, I've spent a little bit of time in his presence. I don't, I wouldn't ever claim to know him, but he does have quite a quite a sharp uh, sense of humor as well. I mean, the whole family does. You know, Princess Anne, I've I've done some stuff with in the past, but they have they have quite a, a you know a dry and a very British dry cutting humor. 
you know, we have quite a dark humor in the UK, you know, like American humor is much more, much more flamboyant. Ours is, tends to be a little cutting and they, and they do, you know, I mean, the Duke of Edinburgh, you know, the, the, the King's father, I, I, I had lots of experience with, and he, he was very funny, very witty, sometimes controversial, but always, always, you know, you knew exactly where you stood with him. And I think, I think King Charles gets a little bit of that from me, but he's actually a very cultured man. He's a very thoughtful man. You know, I mentioned before about the environment and ecology. I, mean, I remember in the sort of the, the 70s and 80s when people just didn't think about these things. He was talking about the rainforest. He was talking about he was talking about the types of agriculture that we, we, we carry and, and the, the agricultural behaviors and the damage that was doing to the to the to the to the, to the soil and, you know, over farming and all of the, the, the impacts of that. He's also a great lover of architecture, and he, you know, famously was very critical of some of the um, slightly um, surreal architecture that was produced in London in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, which was, you know, this beautiful city he felt was being scarred by some quite, you know, brutal architecture that was going up. So he's been outspoken on that as well. So he has been outspoken probably much more than his mother as Prince of Wales. Now, as king, I don't know whether he'll continue to do that because he has more of a constitutional role. But he's he's a he's a man of he's a man of sort of deep thinking. He's very he's a very spiritual man as well. You know, it's very interesting that I think he's he's you know he's a, he's, a, he's he takes his role as the head of the Church of England, you know, the Anglican Episcopal Church, very very seriously. But also he 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 likes to embrace other religions as well. So he's been very careful, I think, in the coronation and around the coronation, which is ostensibly a religious ceremony, to include all the other faiths as well. You know, when he came to India, he was very focused on meeting a, a variety of the Indian religions, you know, Sikhism, Hinduism, Buddhism. They were all included in things he does. He's very focused on engaging with, you know, Jewish populations, with Islamic populations. So he's 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 a very spiritual man and respects faith very much as well. But to answer your question in a very long roundaway, I think he does have quite a wicked sense of humour. Um, but I'm not sure if it's going to be as noticeable as it was with the Queen, who was very kind of austere of her generation. And when she said something funny, we all laughed because it was like such a shock. I think <laughs> I think Charles is a, is, a, is a little more known for, for, for his, his cheeky jokes. Now, speaking of Queen, we also have... Queen Camilla, that will be the big headline this weekend. Um, how has the reaction been from Americans that you've interacted with on that side of the celebration? Well, I think it's quite intriguing because we've not had a Queen consort for for a long, long time. Um, so I think I think it's I think it's I think it's interesting. I think you know this is a couple who, and I, I say I spent I spent time, immediately before coming to this role, I, I was with them for for, for three or four days in Cuba on a, on, a, on a visit there and it was really interesting to see them they are they are very much a couple they are very much a team and I think the late queen made a point of saying before she passed away that she it was her wishes that Camilla would become the queen consul because that I mean, wasn't guaranteed and it made it so much easier then for the king to to do that and I think that was a demonstration that she understood that her son you know was was, was, was going to be a great king but needed his partner, his wife, to be alongside him. So I think people are people are really starting to understand that. And I and I say I've seen them close up, and they are a you know they are a great couple. They are a loving couple. They're a very you know they're very kind of tactile, and and it's it's a wonderful thing to see. And you know, and it's like you know people's grandparents are at that age group as well who are very much in love. It is a beautiful thing to see. And I think for the country having the king and the queen consort is is actually a huge advantage to us because it gives the king strength and support. And it also allows us to have, you know, 
two major royals who can go and visit things rather than just one. One thing that's fascinating about this whole ceremony that's coming up is you mentioned the intricate planning of this event, even down to the who gets to sit in what seat. Mm. It's all, it all just seems to be making headlines that this person will be sitting behind that person and, and what have you. Yeah, I mean, we are uh, we're, we're, we're quite focused on protocol. I think that is probably... It's an unfair stereotype at times, but it is a stereotype. You know, we, you know, overseas we like to be much more relaxed. You know, we're all first names. We don't use titles and stuff. But, but I think when it comes to these big state occasions, protocol determines everything. And you know, just like at the, you know, at the at the any event we do, any royal wedding, you, we have I think two hundred or more heads of state are going to be there, and they will be sat according to the protocol. Uh, which is, you know, there's a rule book on where people sit, heads of state first, heads of government are behind them, you know, and representatives come behind them. So, yeah, and, you know, fortunately, you know, in, in history, we've had a lot of issues with alphabetic listings, you know, so it's probably sometimes it's good, you know, we're back in the, I remember back in the day, Iran and Iraq sitting next to each other, probably wasn't conducive uh, with Israel on the, on the other side, probably wasn't conducive to good international relations. So sometimes the protocol is helpful. Um, let's put it that way. Well, once again, the coronation of their majesties, King Charles III and Queen Camilla, will take place at Westminster Abbey this Saturday, May 6th, 2023. But there's going to be all kinds of celebrations happening in Houston that you do not want to miss, especially if you are all about the pomp and circumstance. These events paying tribute to the king's love of the community the natural world, the Buffalo Bayou cleanup. There's going to be a cricket match, a garden party, so much more. How can people continue to stay up to date with all of the events and how can they come out and participate? Do they need to sign up or just show up? So we have uh, we have all of our social media channels. We'll have uh, uh, information. So the UK and Texas is, is basically how you find us. Uh, we're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. Give, give, give us a follow give us a, and give us a share. We're going to have... We have a whole. I've I've been narrating a whole series of of little uh, video messages about uh, sort of detailing the prince's visits to Texas twice, uh, to New Mexico, to Louisiana. So the history of all of his visits to this region. I've been narrating them. We've been putting them on social media. We've done all kinds of uh, videos. So the cricket match next week is going to be great fun in Houston. There are <laughs> lots of information. So it's a you know the famous rivalry, you know the British Australian rival. We, we reenact next Saturday an Ashes cricket match. And I got into trouble earlier on an interview for saying that you know if you don't know what cricket is, come along and find out. It's a beautiful cultured sport. It involves lots of meals, just like baseball. But <laughs> I, you know, what I did say when I got into trouble is it's it's like baseball but but good. Um, <laughs> living in Astros country. Uh-oh. <laughs> I love baseball too. You know, I go to the games all the time. You know, yeah, but, yeah. but the, you know, it's a joke. We got to we, we got to have a little humor in this. But you know, at UK and Texas, or at UK and TX, sorry, on Instagram and Twitter um, is where you'll find us, and we have a whole range of things going on. But the other thing for anybody who's going to be in Houston is that my my residence in in River Oaks and Kirby Drive is lit up all week. So as soon as it gets dark, there's going to be a big light display on my house how cool um, I'm a lot of sleep at the moment but it's going to be really cool it's got all of the kind of beautiful colors of the british flag it's got the coronation um, um what's it called crest and everything else so it's it's a pretty cool light show we've got going on there and that's going to be obviously tonight tomorrow night and through to saturday how fabulous his britannic majesty consul general richard hyde thank you so much for the time here on krld 
Thank you so much. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.